I ask the question, what is more prized than safety? Do I want to see safety and comfort and stability? Or do I want to see the very face of God? Do I want to know Him? Do I want to trust Him more than my circumstances? Trust Him more than my fear? The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. It's a grand view of the Lord over all creation and over all danger. If there is one safe place in the entire universe, it's there. It's there. That's the place where safety is to be found. Thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Presbyterian Church Weekly Podcast. We're glad you joined us. Trinity is a member congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America and the Acts 29 Network. We are located in Owasso, Oklahoma. Follow us at trinityowasso.com. Also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trinity Owasso. This morning we are looking at Psalm 11 as we continue as a church to look at the Psalms in the summer. It's a great way for us to reset ourselves, to reset, and even what uh, Pastor Blake and I are preaching through. And if you have a Bible, I'd ask that you would turn there. This morning we're looking at Psalm chapter 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. To the choir master of David. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the stream to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think this past week, for the first time since coming out of the pandemic, I was able to say last year was just really, really bad. Now, I didn't say it in those words because I'm being recorded and I'm in a crowd, but it just wasn't good. We had a lot of change going on in our house this past week, getting, finishing out school year, getting ready for the summer, looking at vacation, different things of that nature. And I was driving and I thought, last year was just really awful. 
And it was awful for many of us. Some of you had really bad years last year. I don't know that ours was particularly worse than any of y'all's. We didn't get COVID. No one broke into our house. None of our pets died. I don't think, no, none of our pets died. We, look, we've got a lot of pets. We've got a lot of pets. Um, and so, you know, nothing, nothing bad happened, but this societal trauma that we've experienced and what I found myself longing for in that moment as I was praying and meditating in the car was a time not only of normalcy, but of safety. This last year felt very up and down. And I don't mean safety just merely in terms of bodily safety. I mean, you find safety, even we could use another word, comfort, just from the regularity of life. If you had kids at home doing school online, there's nothing fun about that. Events were canceled, weddings were postponed. I mean, all of these things had this collective effect, I believe, on us so that where we are now, not only are we longing for normalcy, there is a greater desire for comfort and safety. And this psalm speaks into this. So in the psalm this morning, I'm just going to walk through it, and we're going to look at it in three different ways, three different parts. The first part we're looking at is refuge. The second part that we're looking at is safety, safety in quotations. And the last thing we're looking at is that which is more prized than safety, that which is more prized than safety. Let's begin by looking at this psalm in verse 1. Now, as you'll see, if you have your Bibles, you can see it even in your bulletin. It says, to the choir master of David. Now, there's something I wanted to let you guys know about this. A lot of times, as you read through the psalms, you'll see these inscriptions, as it were, kind of introductions. If they have an author that's, that's denoted... It gives the occasion oftentimes, so in this, to the choir master of David. Now, did you know that this isn't something that's added by our Bible editors? This is actually in the Scripture. If I would, if I would have brought my Biblia Hebraica Stuttgartensia, so my Hebrew Bible, which I can read one-tenth of one percent of, what you would see is instead of having that inscription above verse 1, you would see that the Hebrew Bible actually says, verse 1, to the choir master of David. I don't know what you do with this, but it's important to know that that too is God's Word, even though that it is an inscription. But it does give us some context, doesn't it? We know that this is a song, and the Psalms especially that David wrote, were turned into songs for the entire people to sing. What this means is that the songs, these psalms, 
are not merely the expression of David's heart, but that by the Holy Spirit, friends, they are for you and me. Different Psalms may, may hit us differently at different times, but isn't all of Scripture that way? But these Psalms are for you. And so it says to the choir master of David, in the Lord, excuse me, in the Lord, I take refuge. The refuge is one of these words that we see a lot in the Old Testament, really don't see it much in the New Testament. But this Hebrew word, chasah, for refuge. Do you know that it has another translation as well? It can be translated as refuge, and it can be translated as lettuce. Lettuce, as in a head of lettuce. Refuge and lettuce. What do those two things have to do with each other? Now, I, I think that if we really kind of plumb the depths, here's what's happening. Is that when, when the Bible talks about refuge, and from my cursory glance at this, it's always refuge in the Lord, what we're wanting to do is be surrounded by Him, to be protected. If you, if you get a head of iceberg lettuce and you wanna make sandwiches with it, I mean, what do you do? You peel off the outer layers, because most of the time those are, those are the dirtiest ones or the wiltiest ones, and you get to the inner layers. Now what was happening there? The outer layers were protecting the inner layers. And if you keep peeling that off, the inner layers inside are even better and better and better. So the concept of this Hebrew word, chesah, refuge, is you are in a way buried in God's spiritual head of lettuce. You will never see this word the same. But that's what it is. To be wrapped round and round by the Lord's protection. In the Lord, I find myself wrapped and wrapped in the Lord's protection. So this refuge. And then we move, or the psalm moves, next to safety. And I put safety in quotation marks here. And it picks up with the second part of verse 1, and it says, how can you say to my soul, and then there's quotation marks, flee like a bird to your mountain, for behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You see similar language in other places in the Psalms. Here in verse 1, it says, how can you say to my soul? And then you have this quoted phrase. Now, who's speaking there? If we're looking at some of the Psalms outside of this one, we see that David's, let's say his advisors are speaking to him. If you see from other psalms, maybe Psalm 42 or 43, 
um, which is we sang a little bit of when we sang 10,000 Reasons. Maybe it's David himself, like his mind speaking to his heart. How can you say to my soul this? So it's either David's advisors or David himself, but the point is it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. What matters is the way that he introduces it. How can you say to my soul, and he has this phrase, right? So there's something very negative about what we see in these quotation marks. What is the primary concern that we see in these quotation marks from verses one to the end of verse three? The primary concern is safety. It's safety. If you look there, at the beginning of the quotation in verse one, it says, flee. It doesn't say, you know, saunter on away or, you know, walk comfortably or even run. It says flee. Flee like a bird. And you can picture this as you walk through and you see birds lift up off the ground in fear of danger and they, they just dart. That's what it says. It says flee. Now why are they fleeing? Because right after this, it says in verse two that the wicked bend the bow. So you have this picture of the wicked stringing up their arrows, bending their bow, ready to aim at David and others who are upright in heart. And the immediate impulse there is to flee. I think it's important that we take what it's saying here seriously because this is real fear from real danger. This isn't merely perceived fear from perceived danger. It's real fear from real danger. So the impulse is to flee. Why? Because the wicked bend the bow. Now what's the reasoning behind this? If you look down at the end of verse, or in verse three, here's what it says. It says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? In other words, if the wicked come in and they not only take out their bows, but they release the arrows and the righteous are injured or killed and the city is overturned, and the question behind it is, if the very bottoms Shatah, if the very bottoms of the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So, from whoever's saying this quote, again, there's a strong sense of very real danger, but not only that, that it will be destroyed down to the bottom. Some of you have had problems in your house, like a leaky pipe, right? We've had that one time before. 
where water from an upstairs bathroom, I don't know how exactly it happened, but it found its way into our kitchen light. And it's just pouring out the kitchen light. And the light's on. And, I, and I'm thinking at the time, like, this is, right, it's water and electricity. This isn't good. I remember this from elementary school. I know it doesn't work well together. So and even trying to go over to the light switch and turn it off, timidity never stopped electricity from going, but I think it does, right? So I'm trying to get the light switch off and get it off, and water's just pouring down. And, and there's a sense uh, <laughs> coming out of that goes, okay, well, we've got, we've got big problems in the bathroom. Um, now, we don't, we don't have a, you know, a light in the kitchen. We now have a fish tank hanging up there. But this can be repaired. At least it didn't happen to the living room, right? And we were, at the time, living in a house that had a basement. At least it didn't happen to the basement. So at least something is salvaged. And you can tell your, you, know, you can encourage yourself and tell yourself this, but there is no encouragement in this psalm of that anything could be salvaged. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? They're seeing this as the enemy will destroy everything down to the very, very bottom. It is a house fire that burns the entire thing to the ground. That's the picture here. And the other picture is that the righteous, those who, are, who belong to God, who are his people, the righteous won't be able to do anything. How can you say to my soul, flee? Because the wicked bend the bow, their arrows are ready, and if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So the wicked are prepared to attack. There's a strong impulse to flee. But what's the problem with the reasoning of why the righteous should flee? What's the problem with this reasoning? Why would David at the here at the beginning of this phrase say, how can you say to my soul, flee? What's the problem with the reasoning? The problem with the reasoning is it leaves out God altogether. There is no reference in this mid-psalm quotation to who he is or to what he can do. We need to flee. Why? The wicked are going to destroy us. If they destroy us, what can we do? Maybe they should have referenced the Lord in this. And this is where I believe that it meets us. Because you and I prize safety. We really do prize safety. Whether this is real threats or perceived threats. Whether it's real threats. I mean, sometimes we're not in safe situations. Sometimes, like, your cancer can't be treated. There's some times where the danger, whether it's kind of inside your own body, from yourself, from others, whatever it might be, it is very real and it is very present. That's true. But there are other times when the danger, let's say, is just merely perceived. Do you ever, do you ever see that? in yourself. We have, this, we have this habit in our house, and for the most part, it's totally unfounded. The habit is this. 
we just kind of go around locking doors. I mean, it's not like this is how I spend my time. As you think about the Mitchell household, it's not like I go, to, go over here and lock a door, go over here, lock a door, everything like that. But if the kids come inside from playing, I don't know, it's just, it's almost like a nervous tick and I just go over there and lock the door. Sometimes I lock the door because they're outside and I'm tired of them coming in and out and in and out. And they don't like that, but I do. But, I mean, we live in a fine neighborhood. No one around us has ever had their home broken into. What's the need for that? I just perceive some sort of weird danger. I even see that in other areas. I mean, if we can just speak honestly with each other, I mean, there was a lot of that in COVID. You had some people on one side, and this is, if I'm honest, like this was me, I'm very, very contrarian. I tend maybe toward libertarian. So if the government tells me to do something, my tendency is to do the exact opposite, right? So the government says, hey, wear a face mask and wash your hands a lot. My tendency is I'm not gonna wear a face mask, I'm gonna wash my hands less and I'm gonna lick every doorknob between here and the office. Now, if I look at this spiritually, like that's not helpful, right? It's really not. Um, and it's, I mean, if you're licking a bunch of doorknobs and coughing in people's face, it's probably a good way to get COVID. And there are those on the other side that the pandemic hit, you were terrified, really and truly. Didn't leave your house for long stretches. And I, maybe it was just perceived danger. I don't know because I wasn't on that end. Remember, I was the guy going through and licking doorknobs. But a lot of people just, you can shut down your life for a, I think, a, a perceived sense of safety. Remember that period in there? right in the winter where 85% of the people in Oklahoma who had caught it, COVID, were religious mask wearers. And the states, some of the states were hit hardest were mask wearers and lockdowns. In other, other places they got hit hard, didn't wear masks a lot and they didn't have lockdowns. And so it's just, I mean, it was an avalanche of awfulness from the virus, which killed a whole bunch of people and is still doing that worldwide. And some of you who had it still aren't right. You don't have your sense of smell and taste. So this, is, this was one of these things is both real danger in some cases and perceived danger in some cases. And as I was looking at this and thinking through it, how much do we prize safety? And to what extent do we prize safety to the detriment of our life with God? The passage that I read earlier from Nehemiah in the building of the wall, and Nehemiah is, tra they're trying to be tricked. Ne you know, a couple of guys are trying to trick Nehemiah. And they're saying, look, your life's in danger, you're gonna get killed, right? 
and go hide in the temple. And Nehemiah says, who? A man like me. He means a prophet of God. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go and hide in the temple? That would be sin because he knows that he would be cherishing safety a lot more than who God has called him to be in this moment. And let me say too, there's lots of times in the Old Testament where a prophet flees and hides, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that we should always forsake safety. That's not the case. But what we should do is reflect on how high we hold that safety in our lives. So we do, we prize safety, whether it's real or perceived. And by the way, you guys know this, like safety is, safety is always, there's a, there's a sense of perception, but also a sense of relativity. There's always a relative nature of safety because, because other things happen right? And I'm going to be a little ridiculous here, but, you know, we had masks and stuff in worship, and we were distanced for a while, and this is fine. And then we had masks because the school asked us to have masks as well. And okay, that's fine. Maybe we might be safe from COVID, but what if we had a really big storm and the whole gym caved in on us? Like, COVID wouldn't really matter at that point. Or you go through and you have all of these different safety concerns, maybe for work, because some of you have some dangerous work, right? And then, okay, an asteroid hits the earth. Well, I mean, that's pretty unlikely that a world-changing asteroid would hit, would hit the earth, but still safety is perceived, right? And we only want to look kind of to the next layer. But what's interesting about this psalm is he goes, how can you say to my soul, flee? We do prize safety, but according to the psalm, what is more prized than safety? Look with me at verses four through seven. I'm going to read this again. It says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. Or in some translations it says, he loves righteousness. And the upright shall behold his face. Taking the picture being painted at the beginning of our story, it says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. It's a grand view of the Lord over all creation and over all danger. If there is one safe place in the entire universe, it's there. It's there. That's the place where safety is to be found. So carefully look at this last phrase in verse four into verse five. It says, his eyes see, 
His eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. We see that the Lord is testing here, but he's not testing all people generally. It says he tests the righteous. Most of the times in the Old Testament when it says, when the Psalms use that, the testing the righteous, it's not those who are morally superior. It's those who are rightly related to God. It's not those who are good people. It's those who just know the Lord and are his people. But it says he's testing the righteous. But why? Why is he testing the righteous? And how is he testing? Is it not possible that the why here, why is he testing the righteous, is to see if his people trust him more than their circumstances. Because immediately in verses one through three, the circumstances say flee. Is it not possible that his test is to see, do you trust me more than your circumstances? Because in that block quotation from verses one to three, the Lord didn't mention once. Maybe he's testing his people to see if they trust him more than their circumstances. How is this working? What we see in the psalmists and David's interaction with danger here is that the Lord is allowing his circumstances to overtake his deepest desire. And maybe that's, maybe that's the test in us, not does your circumstances destroy your kitchen light fixture? Does it give you COVID? Does it lead to joblessness or whatever it may be? Things that aren't good. The question is, do those circumstances supplant and replace your deepest desire? Now, what is this deepest desire? The first line of the psalm shows us where our safety lies. And the last line shows us what our deepest desire should be. I ask the question, what is more prized than safety? And the end of verse 7 answers it. Beholding the face of God. It ends by saying the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright shall behold his face. This is where the Lord in his throne, in his temple, high above all danger, the the transcendence of a holy and mighty God meets us with a face. Seeing him up close and personal, knowing him, knowing him well. Do you want to see safety? Or do you want to see God himself? Those two aren't mutually exclusive. Sometimes they are. And they certainly war against us in our hearts. Do I want to see safety and comfort and stability? Or do I want to see the very face of God? Do I want to know him? 
Do I want to trust him more than my circumstances? Trust him more than my fear? And friends, we have an excellent example of this. Because the Son of God left the very safety of his Father because he believed that you and I, seeing the Father's face, was more prized than his own safety. He prized you and I, knowing the Father, more than his own safety. And so Philippians 2 says it this way, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, that is, he had all the safety in all the universe, even though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, or to be seized. But instead, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So he had a, a particular disregard for his own safety. He emptied himself. That is, he took on humanity and the frailty of what we are. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Friends, our, safe, our Savior prized our Father in his will and his smile and his plan so much more than safety so that you and I could be taken up as we see in verse four into the very holy temple of God, into his throne room, because our Savior has taken the danger upon himself. What is more prized than safety to you?